Welcome back. This is episode 14, right? No, 15, right? Episode 15 of uh, the Jayan Sutras portion of the Buddhist Books Podcast, right? Edward Reeves Buddhist Books Podcast, that's where we are. Um, and I think this is actually episode 50 overall. Um, that's including the introduction to the Lotus Sutra episode that I stuck in there that's only 19 minutes, but not including the introductory to the podcast episode at the beginning of the podcast. So for those on the podcast, this is episode 51, if you count that, like 12 to 17 minute intro. Enough about that. I did something today that uh, I haven't done in 12 years. I went most of the day without a glowing screen. I recommend it. I'm sure many of you have already discovered this practice, but um, you know, you've heard of intermittent fasting, right? Well, uh, yeah, I woke up. I mean, I decided last night I was going to do this. I woke up. I didn't turn on my phone. I didn't turn on the computer. I didn't turn on the television. And you know what I did? I cleaned my office. I completely reorganized and redecorated the desk, as you can see here. Thank you, future me. Um, I, I journaled. I did yoga, meditated, uh, you know, found a lot of things that had been missing. I discovered that there's all this time that I had uh, not realized, you know, was there because it just kind of gets drained like, like a sw swirling down the drain into these glowing screens. And so, yeah, don't watch this. Just turn this off right now. Turn off the computer, turn off your phone, and uh, meditate instead. It's better for you. Okay, for those of you who didn't take my advice, fools, um, as you can see here, I went for a walk. And if you've got a photographic memory and you saw episode 10, then you know where I went. Nehru Place, right? And you also know who that's named after the Prime Minister of India during British independence, right? Remember what he did? He uh, secured Andaman and Nicobar for India. It was gonna go to Pakistan. He did a lot of other things too. Apparently he had a lot of British girlfriends, at least that's what my wife told me. There's like photographs of him with a lot of, he was very popular with the, uh, with the uh, British ladies. Speaking of which, some fun things happening lately. I don't know if you're in America, I don't know what is going on in the news there because I don't watch it, but uh, I've been watching Indian media, you know, there's some English Indian media, English language Indian media. And, uh, you know, Biden through, through, his, uh, through his mouthpiece over there, the, the press secretary has been like, well, if India, if India doesn't, I can't do a good, uh, what's the voice I'm going for? Well, anyway, if India doesn't boycott Russia, they're going to find themselves on the wrong side of history. And by the way, we're, you know, going to go after your human rights violations and stuff like that. Like India has any room to, I mean, like America has any room to talk about human rights violations or being on the right side of history, Mr. Poster Boy of the right side of history over there, right? Anyway, um, yeah, okay, he's better than Trump, but that's all you can say about him that's good. Honestly, try to say something good about him. You can't. Um, sorry, I don't want to get political on here. But yeah, no, the point is that, uh, what's his name? Boris, 
Oh, shoot. Showing my American ignorance here. The, uh, the, the PM of Britain came over to India yesterday, the day before, and was like, India, let's be friends. Uh, we're going to tell you our opinion about the Russia-Ukraine situation, and then we're going to sit and listen to your point of view as well. Oh, yeah. Um, India was pointing out that in, in one afternoon, Europe buys more oil from Russia than India does in an entire month. So why is the U.S. singling out India? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is, of course, like the colonial mindset and racism. It's just sort of, you know, what they do, kick India around, disrespect India, not treat it as an equal, even though it's kind of like, I mean, it, it, however you measure it, unless you're going by skin tone, it's uh, it's an equal. It's no longer the whole first, second, third world country thing. The first world was people aligned with uh, countries aligned with the U.S. during the Cold War. The second world was countries aligned with the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And the third world was et cetera. And people think that this is a, a rating system, like the IQ test or something, which was just racism. But yeah, uh, the IQ, t the, uh, the, the first world, second world, third world, this isn't a third world country we're talking about. This is Ukraine. People are blonde-haired and blue-eyed there. Oh, gosh, I can't believe blonde-haired, blue-eyed people are struggling the way that, you know, the brown people do. It's really weird, you know, watching, uh, watching the clips from, from the news from CNN, whatever. It's not just Fox either. It's like all the news, you know, in, in the U.S. is over there like bemoaning the fact that white people are struggling and like not mentioning Yemen or any of the other places where people struggle. Because, um, of course, Saudi Arabia and U.S. are allies. But anyway, yeah, so, so Britain's over here like, hey, you guys want a billion dollars? Here's a billion dollars. Hey, we're going to modernize your uh, ability to you know, make weapons and stuff. I mean, it makes sense because China, right? <laughs> anyway, it's just sort of given the whole historical context of British colonialism uh, in, in, in history, it's interesting to see the, uh, the British prime minister over here like taking his shoes off and very respectfully going into the temples and sitting in front of the, the cotton loom that's on the flag and everything. And, and uh, I don't know. They have just... Being like going out of his way to treat India as equals. It's nice to see, actually. They're like, hey, yeah, everything America is doing wrong right now, we're going to do the opposite of that and we're going to do it right. So, anyway, this is just one arrogant asshole's opinion. So, take it with a grain of salt. Ah, Starbucks. There's a country, I mean, a country, there's a company, a small difference. There's countries that are less well off than companies these days. And one such company is called Tata. Apparently the family is very nice. There's like, nothing can really be said bad about them unless, you know, being rich is something you can say bad about people. But uh, yeah, here they're in the Lakshmi instead of communism. Some people are into communism, but Lakshmi is more popular. So yeah, be just being rich isn't a character flaw. So uh, people, people love the Tata family. That's not their name. They have another name, but their company is called Tata. And when Starbucks was like, hey, India, can we? Uh, India was like, fuck off. No, nope, no. Nope. And then Tata was like, hey, what if we you know, go half, half seas and we get half the money that we make selling Starbucks and then we give the other half to Seattle? India was like, okay. Tata says it's okay. So it's uh, Tata Starbucks. If you look very closely at the logo, is it on here? They got my name right this time. Uh, quite often they don't. Um, 
Well, anyway, yeah, it doesn't say it on here, but on the sign, it's it says Tata, very small, and then Starbucks, very big. It's Tata Starbucks. A little different from regular Starbucks. Okay. Yeah, Jainism. If this is your first time seeing me, now that I've talked your ear off about a lot of nonsense, uh, go ahead and click here. That'll take you to the beginning of the Buddhist Books podcast with episode one of Dhammapada. If this, if you're here for the Jainism, but you're confused because you're like, hey, what? Jainism? It's a Buddhist books podcast. Why is he talking about Jainism? Then click here. That'll take you to the beginning of a playlist that's just the Jain Sutras portion of the Buddhist books podcast. And um, yeah. Okay, so just, just FYI, note the sound now. And then note the sound now. Is it a big difference? I hope not. That's uh, the difference is before I didn't have my air conditioner on. Now it's on. The other thing it'll probably do is make this candle go out, but you can't even really see that anyway. Some of this behind the scenes stuff letting you in on. Um, I'm just in a good mood. I, I, it's like a, there were a lot of tabs open in my brain, like things that I, are, you know, they're not like necessary to have in mind. And it's like I I wouldn't choose to have these things in mind, but because I'm continually coming back to these apps and coming back to these things, it's like my brain decides that these things are important. And if they're there more consistently than the things in my actual physical space, then they start to take up, they occupy more space. So people I don't actually know that well, or people that I've only met once or twice physically, um, but maybe I engage with, as they say in computer robot speak, um, on a semi-regular basis online. Um, and my brain is like concerned with, you know, what are they doing today? What are they saying today? What do they think of what I said today? What do they think of me today? And it's like, it drains a lot of energy and there's not much energy left. And uh, also water. I, For me, I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm you know, being a, a zombie when I'm being a screen addict. Um, I'll drink coffee, but I'll neglect water. So another thing I did today was I found myself drinking water, like a normal amount of water, like a couple liters, you know? So, anyway. I made it till 5 p.m., and then I decided, okay, all right. So that was good. I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn my phone on now. Actually, I went for a walk, and so I, I wanted to keep in touch with Priyal. And so I turned on my phone for the WhatsApp and then figured, all right, uh, this was a good experiment. I'm going to go ahead and record an episode of Buddhist Books today. And I, I, uh, I brainstormed a little bit about the next uh, sections I'm going to go into in Esoteric Nerd, but I didn't do any writing today. But I'm, I'm comfortable with the flow. I, I, I need to find a good flow. I need to incorporate, I want to incorporate writing a bit of Esoteric Nerd, doing one of these episodes, yoga, meditation. And then being free mentally, so having at least a solid two or three hours of the screen being turned off. The other thing I want to do is I've got all these projects on the back burner and then projects that I've put, oh, will I ever get to this project and da 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 da, da all these different things. And so I, I want to read that book. I want to read these books and then read that book in order to read this book and understand the, the context behind it and then read this book and then read a proper translation of that scripture so that I can 
very clearly and with pinpoint accuracy explain exactly how Carl Jung's spin uh, affected the Western perspective on Eastern philosophy in general and yoga and Kundalini specifically. That's a project that I want to get to eventually. When is eventually? I don't know. Um, but it's there. It's there. And then there's another book. I need to read that book in order to, to write a fan fiction comic with the guy that whose face and real name I don't know that I know on Instagram. And occasionally we do these these rant like 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 he's a, as much of a Tron nerd as I am. So we just start brainstorming about you know the the back history and and subtle things and this implies that and you know and so there's a novelization that they came out with in the 80s that he's making reference to and I'm like okay I need to read that so I can catch up so that I can get back into these flowing conversations and scribble notes and and uh, and and do a fan fiction comic when I don't know will I get to it I don't know um, I do want to read the Vedas eventually right and so my point is. One thing I want to do is to be able to set all that aside, walk up to this bookshelf, empty my mind, and pull out the book that I feel like reading at that moment and sit out and read it. That is something important to me. Whether it's the Rick and Morty comic, whether it's the Pali Sutras, maybe I'll read ahead a bit, you know, like that, rather than, than just only reading these things while I'm recording this. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there. I also, I need to get a small bookshelf. I need to replace this table here with a bookshelf because a lot of my books, in fact, my books that I published and a lot of other books are now in storage because uh, I don't have room for them now that I have all these poly scriptures. So I'm going to replace this table with a smaller bookshelf, put all the poly scriptures and the Buddhist books, classic Buddhist books, I mean, you know, what had previously been my Buddhist books collection before I got the poly scriptures and arrange all that in a smaller bookshelf here. Then I'll finally have room for the Osho books and all my books and the 10 copies of E-Burrito that are on their way that are going to arrive probably next month. And then, you know, then I'll be able to have all my books here where I can see it reflected in you. Because that's important to me. All right. I've talked too much. Let's uh, try to spend the second half of this. And when I say let's, I mean let me. Um, reading! Reading the, the, the Jain Sutras. That's what we're here for, right? The Jain Sutras. Sorry, Brad. It's always like this. Not always. It's not always like this. But it is sometimes. Those, those episodes, Pali Scriptures 1 through 11, are mostly like this. Um, it's mostly just me talking. Anyway. <clears throat> next section. Picking up where we left off. The Essence of Mikchami. Dukkhanam. The question is, can the recitation of Mikchami Dukkhanam relieve or purify our sins? What are we talking about? What is this? Is that the sutra that we're on? Did I accidentally end up on a different page? No, that's the one we're on. Are they talking about Alokana Sutra? I'll keep reading. Let's find out. All right. Is it a special boon? That's one of those words. Is it a special boon to the Jains that they are forgiven by one of those words? I mean, words that are still in active use in India that you have to kind of go, huh? Um, it's like a little bit of an arcane word, unless you're an academic. I was uh, giggling a little bit about how the music that my grandparents used to listen to is now 
called light academia um, because uh, aesthetic became a noun first. And uh, then one of the aesthetics is dark academia, which is uh, a visual aesthetic and also a kind of music, which is like the heavy sort of, sort of like dramatic side of classical music. And uh, so it's the sort of music that you would listen to while you're dressed in an old-timey suit and uh, by a fireplace and you're looking like you're in a cross between like a Harry Potter and a dead poet society. And so people decorate their house and their room that way. I think it's Zoomers, right? Um, maybe, maybe the younger of the millennials uh, also, but other people are, are jumping into to, to these aesthetics. It's an online phenomenon, all these online communities. And so... There's dark academia playlists, and so then there's light academia, which is like, well, I don't want the heavy stuff. I want the lighter of the classical music. It's normal classical music. It's what my grandparents used to listen to, you know. And so, but now it's like, oh, let's put on some light academia, and I can hear my, my dad face palming somewhere in the back of my head. Like, the fact that academia is an aesthetic. I mean, first of all, that aesthetic is a noun, and that academia is an aesthetic instead of academia, you know? And that it's classical music. Light academia means classical music. If you didn't know. Maybe there's some Gen Xers and... Uh, uh, are there still boomers? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, are there still silent generation? Hello! Hello! Turn it up. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. With all respect. My dad was silent generation. My mom was one of the older of the boomers. She was kind of like right on the cusp like me. I'm Gen X, millennial, zenial, they call us. I think technically, according to most measurement systems, I am Gen X, 78. That's, that's right at the end of Gen X, right? I'm just too young to really appreciate Bowie. Like, I honestly knew him as the, the, uh, the goody two-shoes guy. Just kidding. Um, put on your red shoes and dance the blues. You know, the 80s Bowie. And then uh, as an adult, I had to be introduced by, by a, an older Gen Xer to the, uh, to the earlier Bowie. And now I have a full appreciation of the context in which he slept with that 14-year-old. <coughs> anyway, okay. It was consensual, but illegal. Was she 14 or 15? I think she was 14. Anyway, uh, this is something to be thought about. The phrase mikchami dukanam, it's not normally this bad. Normally I stay more or less on topic. So uh, some, some episodes are like this. I enjoy them. Maybe you don't. And I apologize. I apologize to the people who don't enjoy this. Uh, yeah. But there's not much else out there that's really diving into these uh, sutras, aside from this uh, flawed uh, channel. On behalf of humanity, I apologize. Okay. Uh, yes. It cannot clear away our sins. No. Sins are removed by the repentance and the aspirant's heart. Not by mouthing words, right? You know that. Ora pro nobis peccatoribus nostrayam. when you're thinking about something else. Um, okay, uh, expressed by the utterance of Mikchami Dukanam, right? So you got to repent while you're saying, Ora pro nobis, not like, 
Oh, my voice is so beautiful, isn't it? Oh. Have you read Silmarillion? Of course not. Nobody's read that. Anyway, um, the power of repentance is very high. Okay. Uh, without falling prey to endless routines, if one sincerely shows repentance for one's wrongdoings with dedication, determination, and a pure heart, then he will certainly be relieved of his sins. The powerful and clear flow of repentance cleanses one of all accumulated sins and renders the soul pure and crystal clear. Sri Sri Bhadrabahu Swami has written an extensive commentary on the Avasyaka Sutra. In this text, he has interpreted every alphabet of alphabet every alphabet of Mikchami Dukanam in a poignant matter, manner in a poignant manner. He writes. Meet ti mu madavate cha titi. This titi. I don't know how else to pronounce it. A dosana chadane hoy. Is this Sanskrit or hoy? Okay. Mu mi titi a marai tio du titi du. Ganchami Apanam. Aren't you glad I've gotten back to reading the text? All right. Continuing. Ka Tati Kandam Me. That's K A N D A M. Nothing weird. Kandam Me Pavam. Da Tati Ya Devemi Tam Uvasem. Excuse me, Uvasamenam. Eso Mikcha, perhaps, Dukada Payakarato Samasenam. That's from 15.1 of uh, Avasyaka near Yukti. Okay. By logical interpretation, the meaning of Mikchami Dukanam is as follows. Mi is for Mriduta, which means gentleness and absence of ego. Cha is to emulate the sins. Mi refers to steadfastness and restraint. Do is to confirm, condemn oneself for wrongdoings. Ka means acceptance of having committed the sins. And da refers to the act of destroying all those sins that have already been committed. Now, let us examine how many kinds of violence have been mentioned in this sutra. And how much of Contemplation of remorse and repentance can be found in the utterance of Mikchami Dukanam. Perhaps those are two words in the sutra that we're talking about. Are they? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's the last line of, of this sutra, Alokana Sutra. All right. And may it become void or, or something like that. <clears throat> 
let's find out. He uh, he just broke down it by broke it down by syllable, but it, yeah, become void wrongdoings and sins. Yeah. Okay, I seem to remember in that movie, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, Jesus got in trouble for saying, your sins are forgiven you, right? All right. Um, there are 563, wait, ancient Akaryas have explicitly stated their views over this question. There are 563 different forms of life in this world. No more and no less. That no with a K and a W. Sorry. Um, among these are included the five immobile forms of earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Those forms of life. Okay. So after that, then there's exactly 558 forms of life. No more and no less. Okay, I'll, I'll go along with it. Okay, uh, and the mobile life forms such as human, animal, infernal, and heavenly. Okay, therefore, when these 563 forms of life are multiplied by the 10 violations. Now remember, this is 2,300. Actually, no, this is probably like 60 or 70 years ago he was talking. But in reference to an ancient tradition, spoken as fact. Okay, yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. Where's that line between showing respect and being critical of things that sound absurd. I don't know. I'm always trying to find it. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. Um, yes. Therefore, when the 360, 563 forms of life are multiplied... Ooh, math! We're getting into math again! Oh, I love it when he gets into math. ...are multiplied by the 10 violations... Ooh, don't tell me. 5,630. Let's see, how can we uh, break that down cabalistically? We've got uh, a big old hay, or excuse me, a big old hay, and then uh, uh, a, a mem sofit at the end, right? And then uh, 60, uh, what comes after noon, samek, uh, and a three, gimel. So giant hay, noon, samek, mem. No, Samek, Gimel, Mem, or Gimel, Samek, Mem. One or the other, but definitely that. The hay is at the beginning and it's big. The Mem is at the end and it's so feet. So feet. And, uh, and then there's a Gimel and a Samek. So it's either Hasagam or Hagasam. All right. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Not much. Okay, <clears throat> let's go. When you multiply the 563 forms of life by the 10 violations mentioned <clears throat> from Abihaya to Jivyavavarovia, showing respect, I don't, I guess, 
um, which relate to the... Oh, hey, where'd they go? I didn't bring them out this time. Well, they've ascended and are no longer in this plane. Okay, which relate to the violent aspects of existence. It amounts to... Five thousand six hundred and thirty classifications. <laughs> wow, my uh, gift of blowing the conch went away clearly. All right, don't fall over. Um, these tenfold violations or viradhanas are caused by attachment and aversion. Hence. When multiplied by two, oh, one for attachment and one for aversion, we arrive at 11,260, which, I'm not going to try to do it capitalistically, classifications. These violations occur by body, mind, and speech. Hence, when multiplied by three, we arrive at 33,780 classifications. One for attachment, one for aversion, and then multiplied by body plus mind plus speech, multiplied by the ten kinds of violation, multiplied by the 563 different forms of life. This is useful. Isn't it? Aren't you glad you tuned in today? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you tuned in today. Let's, uh, let's read on. Um, classifications. These violations can be done in three ways, by oneself, through others, or by affirmation of them when conducted by others. So if the classifications are further multiplied by three, they lead to 101,340, or as they say here in India, one lakh 1,340 classifications. When further multiplied by the 304,020. Uh, oh, right. When further multiplied by the three aspects of time, namely past, present, and future, the result will be 304,020. Considering Arihanta, Siddhana, Akarya, Upadhyaya, Guru, and the self as the six witnesses. Uh, and the resultant number has been arrived at is multiplied by six, we arrive at 1,824,120 classifications. How vast the sphere of Mikchami Dukhanam is. The aspirant is required to maintain amity with every single form of life from a pure heart and condemn his sins with the Arihantas, Siddhas, gurus, etc., as witnesses, and thus cleanse his soul of sins. Thank you for going on this uh, ride with me. Let us close in the usual manner. <clears throat> To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love 
and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.